0: Yeah. Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Hi, my name is Kyan. I'm a volunteer here at Compass. We've, my family and I have been uh, attending this church for a couple of years. And right now we're in the middle of a uh, sermon series called Planted, where we're looking at the story of the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. And when this series launched a couple of weeks ago, I went to Chris, uh, the lead pastor here. I went to him and I was like, hey, can I, can I speak one of these weeks? I've, I've got some things on my heart that I really want to share, uh, a different perspective on, on this passage because I'm a vegetable farmer. I'm a, I'm a local farmer. Um, I've got a very small uh, micro farm and, and we sell at the local farmer's market, things like that. Um, but I'm new to farming and so I've got a totally unique perspective on both farming and also this passage. And so he was graciously enough gracious enough to let me um, jump into the series for, for a week and so here we go. One of the things that I love personally about Scripture is that it really is alive. It really is active. Every time that I personally read a story in Scripture or hear a sermon from a passage of Scripture, hear a new interpretation, new things come to light. Uh, It's like the meaning is always the same, but at the same time, the meaning changes because it is active. It impacts me differently each time that I go to it. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with where we personally are in life when we interact with the different scriptures um, and the different stories. And so for me, I, I wasn't always a farmer. Uh, that's a career change for me. But reading this, I've always loved this parable, but reading this parable before and after I made that career change and before and after I learned um, some new things about how farming works, it totally changed the meaning of this story. And, and that's just what I wanted to share today. I, I want to share a little bit of my personal perspective um, on this story so that you too could see this story through the eyes of a farmer. Because um, when Jesus first spoke this this parable when he, the crowd that he had gathered around him was a crowd from an agrarian society. Odds are most of the people in that crowd were either farmers themselves or were related to a farmer or knew a farmer very close to them. Um, and so they would have intuitively understood a lot of what I'm going to share today. But for me personally, before I started farming, I didn't know any of this. And so that's what I want to share. If you're listening today and you're not a Christ follower, first off, I just want to say thanks for listening. Um, thanks for giving us your time and your attention. Um, you can kind of sit back and relax. You're only, you might get some cool gardening tips or some uh, information about soil that you didn't know before, but for the most part, this is a, uh, an in-house type sermon where I need to deal with some in-house issues. I want to talk today to people that are already Christ followers, because I think we're reading this story wrong. So, if you're a Christ follower today, please lean in. Let me back up. Big picture of farming farming is really all about soil. It starts with soil, it depends on soil. Uh, soil is the beginning, middle and the end of, of farming. If you've got damaged soil or eroded or depleted soil, you're kind of done for. I mean, weather plays a huge role and so does like market shares and, and uh, your ability to, to move your product and storage. Like, there's a lot to farming. Yeah, it's very complicated, but the most important chunk, the most important piece of farming is the soil. Nothing is as important as soil, and soil is incredibly complex. Um, We're just now, in the last like twenty or thirty years, beginning to to search to research soil and understand soil. And there's so much that we just do not understand about it because it is that complex. There's physical features. And forms of soil. There's soil archetypes and there's soil mineral components. There's uh, topography and climate uh, considerations and on and on. There's a physiological component to soil. There's a biological component to soil and also a mineral or, or chemical component. And, and those three um, things, your your, physio- your physiology, your mineral content, and your biology, they, they form like a triangle or a triad that for me, is the best picture of understanding what soil is like. And depending on where you find yourself in that um, triad, you can help diagnose your soil problems and then go from there as a farmer. Um, but it's, it's incredibly complex. It's incredibly important. And while modern science and technological advances give us more language and for describing and understanding soil, even farmers in Jesus' day would have understood its importance and would have been known what makes good soil, what good soil is, and what doesn't, what good soil just isn't. So in this parable, which is found in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus actually identifies uh, four different types of soil. It's soil that they had there in their local region, and it's soil, guess what, that I have on my farm here in Bloomington, Illinois. Um, And so what I want to do real quick is just kind of explain the significance of these soils and actually demonstrate that. Every single one of Jesus's original audience would have intuitively understood what I'm about to share. Because again, they were in an agrarian society. They all were farmers or new farmers. But before I started farming, I didn't get this. So that's why I want to bring it today. So just in case, uh, just in case you don't garden, just in case you're not a farmer, or just in case you call it dirt, don't do that. Here's a primer on soil. So the very first soil type that Jesus identifies in his parable is the soil that fell along the, the seed that fell along the path. It's the soil of the pathway itself. Um, what does that matter? What, what's that about? So um, soil that fall the, the soil of the pathway is going to be naturally compacted soil. Um, soil has a structure to it and a form to it, and if you apply enough pressure over time, it'll actually Squish and compact and depending on how much sand or clay component the physiological form of the soil is um, It'll either compact more or less Um, but the end result is compacted soil doesn't grow things so this is soil From my farm It's basically a rock. This is severely severely compacted soil it I mean I could I could Throw this at you if you were in the here, and if I hit you, it it would hurt. Um, Here's another section of soil from my farm, also compacted. See how it's just flat and hard? Um, Like when you break it apart, like it stays in its form because it's just so squished. And the problem with compacted soils is how are roots supposed to grow through that? How much work? Is a root going to have to do to grow through that? So what we know about plants, right? Before plants ever grow up, the first thing that they do is they grow down. And depending on how successful they are at sending down roots deep and down to uh, gather nutrients and to gather water um, and to, to anchor the plant, depending on how successful they are at growing down, that directly affects how much they're able to grow up. And so if they're, you know, trying to grow down into this, like... You can hear that. It, it's a rock. This is just clay from my farm. No plant is going to be able to grow down into this. Worse than that, so I've got some seed here, right? In the story, the farmer goes out to sow seed into into his into his land, and so he casts the seed out. Like if I put seed out, like it just bounces straight off of this stuff. In order for seeds to germinate and to grow at all. The, one of the first things that they need to have is seed to soil contact and like you know, there's there's no seeds on here because they're just going to bounce right off that's the problem with compacted soil and the soil of the pathway would be compacted just because people are walking on it, animals are walking on it, uh, you're going to have foot traffic and wheel traffic and all of these um, people over time are going to push the soil particles together until eventually you just have this rock and This farmer's throwing seed on this rock. Like, what? It begs the question, why would you throw seed on this? Okay. So the next type of soil that Jesus talks about in his in his parable to these people, again, they're all from a farming society, so they're gonna intuitively understand it, is he he says it's some seed fell on rocky soil, okay? So, again, from my farm, this is rocky soil. And I don't know how well you can see this, but like, yeah, there's actual dirt particles here, and you can see those come through my hand, but you've also got these gigantic rocks. And you know, wh- why is that a problem? I mean, like there's actually was grass growing in this little section before I pulled it out. Um, but the issue with rocky soil, this is a new fertility, a nutrient issue and a water issue. So soil, good soil is like a sponge. When it gets wet, when, wa- when it rains, it'll soak up, just, just like a sponge, it'll absorb even more than its actual weight and just store that water for long periods of time. And then when there's a period without rain, good, healthy soil that's absorbed this water will make that water available to the plants. The plants will actually just, that's what they're doing with the roots, they'll they'll sum the roots out and they'll absorb the soil that's been stored in the water. Well, rocks, like, they don't store water, like, at all. And so if, you know, if I can reach into this jar and I pull out all these different rocks, like, every single rock that I pull out is a section of soil that's gonna have no water for those plants when the dry seasons come. And then additionally, um, all a rock is, is hard, um, uh, locked up, bound minerals. So plants need minerals in order to grow and to live and to produce a fruit for us. And so where do they get those minerals? They get them from the soil. Uh, They get them from the biology that's in the soil. All soil starts off as rock, and over time, wind and rain and flooding and um, earthquakes and, and 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 human and animal traffic and the process of plants and growth and decay, all of that eventually erodes these rocks. It crushes them over time. And when the rock particles get down to a microscopic level, when they're broken down that far, that's when the soil can use it. That's when the biology in the soil, whether it's bacteria or fungi or nematodes or protozoa or more things that we haven't even discovered yet, they can actually absorb those nutrients into their bodies and use them and plants can use them too. But so long as they're stored in actual rock form, if you can see a rock, that's minerals, that's calcium and, and um, phosphorus and molybdenum and boron and all these things that are really important for plants and it's trapped in rock form. All that to say, rocky soil like this, it's not fertile. If you throw seed into this like when I throw seed out here, right? It's actually it's gonna stay there It's actually gonna have some seed to soil contact and everything's gonna be good These seeds will actually germinate what they're gonna have water and they're gonna have enough soil contact to be able to grow and then when the first dry spell comes along because the rocks aren't holding water Or when the first time um, a a bug infestation or some other, or a high heat event, something that stresses the plant and they need specific nutrients to survive, and they're not there because they're locked up, it's, it's just gonna die. And the farmers throwing seed on this area, again, it just asks, begs the question like, what are you doing? Everybody in that audience would have intuitively and immediately known. Well, that's dumb. Well, okay. Soil type number three, right? The third soil type in this story is when the seed fell among thorns or or weedy soil, right? And so, what's what's the problem with weedy soil? Well, there's actually. Uh, two problems with the soil. Problem one is the health of the soil. And problem two is the weeds themselves. And so this is from my farm. This is a section of weeds that were literally right next to some of my growing beds. This is one of the things that I have to combat. It's it's dead primarily because it's cold. It's November now, right? Um, But here's the problem with this, right? So if I hold this up and take my seed and try to plant the seed, it just bounces off or it gets caught in these leaves or get caught in the existing grass blades. The, the problem with weedy soil like this is that the seed never makes it to the ground. But, but then the other problem with the weedy soil like that is what we now know with, with modern research is that um, certain plants only grow in specific soil types right? So if you're going back to that first soil type, right, this this super compacted soil that's rock hard, there's only a couple of plants that have a root strong enough to punch through this. Um, it's They're called weeds. And, and they're called weeds for a reason. Their job is to heal this soil and move it forward into a better um, soil succession where other plants can grow. So the, the weeds are the very first thing to grow. So, it, you know, um, homeowners, if if your lawn is full of Weeds, if they're full of dandelions and plantain and other things like that, they're trying to tell you something. Your soil is too compacted or doesn't have the right nutrient balance. That's what they're trying to tell you. And by looking at a patch of soil um, and understanding what the different weeds are and what they, the situations where they will grow or not grow, will tell me instantly whether or not a section of soil is healthy or not. And if I were to come up on a patch of soil and it's full of weeds and it's full of thorns, what that tells me is something's wrong with this soil. Maybe it's too compacted. Maybe it doesn't have the right mineral balance. Maybe it's missing out on some biology. Something is wrong. And before I could plant one of my expensive seeds there, I need to fix whatever that issue is. Part one, it's hel- it's healthy. It's it's not healthy. Problem two is when I throw the seed here, how much of the seed is gonna make it to the soil? And if it does make it to the soil and starts to grow, at that point, what it needs to keep growing is 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 water and sunlight. And what sunlight is gonna make it through this established shade pattern? It's going to be choked out and and, and starved of sunlight. And whatever water comes in, the established root systems of those existing weeds is going to suck that water up before the seedling does. And so, yeah, we might actually get some seeds to germinate, the very few that actually make it down. But as they grow, they're going to be choked for nutrients. They're going to be choked for resources, for sunlight and for water. And eventually, they're, they're just not going to make it because the established weeds are going to um, overshadow them, quite literally. I would never plant seeds into an area that already has established weeds. The, the very first step in all this is to get rid of the weeds. And yet this farmer doesn't. What? It It, it begs the exact same question. What is this farmer doing? Like, it just wasteful the last soil type that Jesus mentions in this story is good soil This is what I'm talking about. Good soil smells oh, it smells amazing' it's, it's good to have on you it has a crumbly structure where you can let it fall through your fingers like that but at the same time if you squeeze it, it's going to form into a, uh, a, a mold. That's good soil structure. That's exactly what your um, the roots of your plants need. I pulled this from one of actually from my carrot bed um, just before I came to record this. And so um, this is what we're going for with, with farming. And, and a lot of the work of farming is just to get this. If we can get our soils to be like this, where they're rich, they're full of life, there's worms in here, there's all kinds of biology I can see, there's organic matter that's big enough for me to see, but, it's set, but I can crush, it's got structure and form, this will hold so much water. This is the stuff of life. And if I can move my soil to this state, most of my plants... Aren't going to need any help at all. And they're going to be so productive. This soil is the driver of that. And so, a lot of the work of farmers when we go out to, to start planting is we look at our fields and, you know, if there's weeds there, we're going to take care of those weeds and address the, the nutrient problems. We're going to do soil tests and we're going to figure out what's going on so that it becomes a good, healthy soil. If there's rocky soil, we have to deal with that some way. Uh, you know, we could, if they're large rocks, we can just pull them out of the fields. If there's lots of small, rocky, small rocks mixed into the soil, then what we'll do, the, one of the best things to do is don't plant on that. Instead, just plant pasture grasses and, and let the soil rebuild itself. And then even better, get animals on that and rotationally rotationally graze them through there. You'll build new topsoil and you can fix the underlying problems of rocky soil. And if it's compacted soil, we're gonna break that up somehow. Uh, you, you know. Modern day, we'll use machines that till the ground. Um, I don't till on my farm, but so instead I might use a broad fork to loosen that up and break up that compaction, but you can't plant into compacted soil. So, you know, step one in this whole process is make the soil good, get it to this state. This is the stuff of life. It's mind blowing how much food you can grow from good soil, and it's mind blowing, how much better it tastes coming from good soil. So now that I've you know given you this lecture that you didn't ask for about soil types and went way too uh, nerdy on you, let's look at this passage through that lens, right? You know, as, as I said, the the work of farming the work of gardening is to make your soil good. It's to improve it. It's to take care of the weeds, take care of the rocks, take care of the health. Um, So when I'm, as a farmer, I'm going to go out to plant some seeds, which is how this passage starts, right? So so a farmer went out to to plant some seeds. I want to finish that sentence by saying, so a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And so the first thing he did was look at his soil. And where he saw weeds, he removed them. And where he saw rocks, he covered them up with, with good, healthy soil. And where he saw compaction, he addressed it. And then he planted. But that's not how that story reads. That's not the way that Jesus shows, or tells the story. So pardon me while I pull up the story. In Matthew chapter 13... We read, this is verses, uh, starting in verse three. So he told, Jesus told many people stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, right? And now we're gonna work the soil. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, wait, what? We jumped right into the planting. We're not going to work the soil at all? As he scattered some across his feeds, or seeds across his fields, some fell on the footpath on the compacted soil, and the birds came and ate them up. Well, of course, because they're just sitting on top. They bounce right off the ground. No soil contact. Other seeds fell on on shallow, rocky soil that, that had lots of rocks in it. And, and the seeds sprouted up quickly, but then... They wilted under the hot sun. Well, of course, there's no water retention in those rocks, right? Wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Well, well, of course, right? That makes total sense. Like, why why is he planting there to begin with? Other seeds fell among thorns and weeds. And they grew up, um, but the existing weeds choked out the tender plants. Well, of course, they're for resources, not enough sunlight, not enough water and nutrients to go around. What's he doing? And still other seeds fell on fertile soil, on good soil. And those seeds produced a crop that was 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. For the record, a good return for Jesus' day and age was about 10 times what was planted. A 30, 60, or 100 return is miraculous. It's, un, it's unheard of. So, you know, the question that I have as a farmer, as I'm listening to this story, listening to Jesus tell this story, is what? Why would you do that? It's, it's wasteful, it's negligent, it's foolish. What an idiot farmer. I mean, think about this. I buy these seeds from a store, right? And they're one of my most expensive inputs. Like, some of the seeds that we plant are just crazy expensive. I would never, ever just chuck this seed onto poor soil. Um, but back then, they didn't have seed stores. So what that meant was um, when you grew a crop, at the end of it, you wouldn't sell it all. You wouldn't eat it all. You would have to keep some seed back. That would, that would be your seed for next year, um, which means, it, and then if it got wet or ruined or hot or cold or if it wasn't stored properly or if you didn't keep enough, keep enough or if a mouse got into it and ate it, your income, your standing, your life is pretty much ruined because you don't get a do over with that. And this guy is just chucking the seed, the stuff of life, on terrible ground. What an idiot. And I'm sure that's what every single person in the crowd there was thinking. Some of the people probably just walked away. Like Jesus ends the story by saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Some people listening there was like, Okay stupid farmer and s- stupid teacher, right? They probably walked away thinking this Jesus guy is clueless. What a joke. But we have the benefit of hindsight, right? So, like, I i mean, I personally, I believe with my whole heart, he's not, Jesus is not clueless. He's not a joke. And I personally believe that he was incredibly intentional with his teaching. So what gives? What is this story really about? This is the parable of the sower, Right? It's not the parable of the soils, but the parable of the sower. Every time that I've personally heard this passage preached or taught or discussed, it's always been about the soils. It's about what I just showed you. It's about how these different soils are and what soil are you and what do you need to do to improve your soil so that you can become fertile soil. But hang on. I don't think this story is about the soil at all. Ultimately, I think this story is really about the sower. I don't think Christians, Christ followers, are these different types of soil. I think you are the sower himself. The fact that the sower does not prepare the soil. Maybe that means something. Maybe we should lean into that. So let's break it down. Jesus clearly isn't talking about literal seed and literal soil. It's a parable. It's an analogy. That's We know that. The seed is the gospel. It's, it's the word of God. And more than that, it's the love of God. Uh, it's... A lot of things because this thing we call being a Christ follower is incredibly complex and dynamic, and there's so much depth and beauty to it. So it's a lot. The, the, the seed is a lot, right? Um, don't be too simplistic or, or reductionist with your interpretation of that, right? The soil, well, that's a lot easier. The soil is people, and I would say the soil is communities as well. So let me say this parable another way. Another way this parable could read. A Christ follower went about her day. She saw all kinds of people that day, happy ones and sick ones, worried ones and uh, lonely ones. She saw friends and strangers and family and more. And as she went about her day, she freely gave joy. She freely gave love and compassion to everyone she met. Some people got annoyed with her at her attitude and they just treated her poorly and rudely. Some people were drawn to her at first, but they had so much other stuff to do, and then they left. Uh, some people uh, tried their hardest to smile back at her, but they had so much anxiety and fear and depression and just, that they just couldn't. And then some people had their lives transformed forever because of her presence because of her actions and those people that had their lives transformed went on to change even more lives down the line jesus is talking about people and he's talking about how we as christians should treat them if you are a christ follower then i implore you don't look at this story and think about what soil type you are no 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 if you are a christ follower you're supposed to be the farmer You're supposed to see yourself as the sower, not the soil. The point of this parable is not to try and work on yourself and improve your soil quality. No. The point of this is that you need to share the love of God with everyone you want. You literally cannot work your way into holiness. That is not how it works. It's impossible. The point of this story is that you are a sower. You are a farmer. And unlike literal soil, you have no idea what someone's life is like. You can't look at somebody and be like, "Oh, that's um yeah, that's rocky soil right there. I shouldn't should waste my time." You have no idea what kind of impact a kind word or a sacrificial gesture or a loving moment will have on someone's life. The point of this story is not self-reflection on yourself and what soil you are. The point of this story is to challenge you to willingly, freely, recklessly, irresponsibly Share the love of God in Christ with literally every single person you meet with no gatekeeping, no soil prep, no second guessing, no conditions. What's that look like? Well, I don't know. Two weeks ago, a treasurer who attends our church and runs a, a, a runs point on a ministry called we call Foster Tree, she kind of came up on stage, and if you were here in person, you saw it, and she literally asked every single person in the room for money which is like the big no-no, right? Like you don't ask people for money. She got up there and she's just like, hey, give me money so that we can give gifts to foster kids in our area. Wait, wait, wait. So we're going to make these foster kids you know, come to church, right? And we're going to make sure that we put some like, I don't know, some Bible tracts in there or some uh, devotional things, right? We're going to make sure that we're like um, double checking the quality of the, f- the families that we're giving to somehow, some way, right? N- no. <laughs> she's literally throwing All this seed at all of these families, some of whom we will never really speak to much beyond this moment, and she's just showering them with love. And when we engage as a church and as a community in the foster tree program, we are joining in the exact same thing, and we're throwing seed. We're throwing the love of God at these people. I have no idea if it's going to grow. I have no idea of the condition of the soil that it's going to land on. Doesn't matter. Our job, our calling, our, our command is to throw the seed. Love them. Gatekeeping and soil prep would make every single one of those kids come attend church services first. Gatekeeping and soil prep would make those families do some kind of uh, conditional work in order to be able to receive the full gift that we're giving them. Um, It would mean to examine them, make sure they're ready for the word first. No! No! Come as you are means literally come as you are. Stinky, smelly, dirty, rude, foul-mouthed, gay, straight, atheist, Muslim, uh, poor, rich. Does not matter at all. You belong here. Not when it comes to the love of God. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter for the love of God. And hopefully, it shouldn't matter for the love of Christians either discipleship is important yeah you know that's always the immediate pushback to this right is well we need to teach people to to follow Jesus right Jesus said to, 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 for us to command them to be disciples and to follow his teachings. yeah, it's important. It has its place. Teaching people to believe what Jesus did to live like he lived is extremely important but not at first. okay there's no soil prep when it comes to sowing the seed of God's love. There's no soil prep at all when it comes to showing up at Compass or watching one of our messages online. There's no soil prep whatsoever to being a part of this community. Discipleship is something that happens over time. And personally, I think largely happens between you and Jesus. I mean, if Jesus hasn't convicted you on something, uh, why should I? Okay, I need to wrap this up, I know. Otherwise, I'll just keep ranting for hours on this but becoming a farmer has just totally changed the meaning of this parable for me and it gets me hyped up because I see this as a as being just crucial to the gospel love everyone so see literally everywhere who and what and who they are what they are what they have or none of that has any impact on my ability to love somebody else that's Christlike Sorry, sorry started ranting again. So there's three main points I kind of want to lift out of this story today uh, that I think we could apply, right? So number one, if you're a Christian, sow seed everywhere all the time. You have no idea what the soil is like in someone's life. And that's not even the point. The point is that Jesus died for them. Jesus loves them. Um, the point is that you should love them like Jesus loves them. And that, let that be enough. Point number two, no soil prep allowed with people. The quickest and the quickest way to turn someone away is to try to fix them. Don't try to change people before you love them. It's the other way around. You love them first and regardless. And maybe one day they'll change. Maybe they won't. doesn't matter because you're supposed to love them. Third thing is, Trust God to do his part. You're not the only one doing work here, right? Your job, Christian, is to sow seed, not prep soil, not grow plants, sow seed. God will do the rest. Um, the Apostle Paul, uh, he ended up saying this, this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos, who was another teacher, watered it, but God made it grow. And I love that perspective, and I love that approach, and I think it totally applies to us. You don't know what role you're going to play in your interaction with anybody else. Like, you might see somebody for just you know a short time, might be a, a, a quick hi, goodbye, or it might be you might be someone friends with someone for a couple years, or you might be family and friends for decades, right? And you don't know what kind of role you're going to share in their life. So you don't know if you're the planter or the or the, or the waterer, but you have a role to play. Right? Maybe you're the seed planter. Maybe you're the water, and after somebody else planted that seed of faith, do know this: God is the one that makes it grow, not you and not the water and not this. Like it's it's God. And the really, really, really good news is that we're talking about the Creator God. He made all this, so there's absolutely nothing stopping Him from taking somebody who currently is rocky soil or compacted soil or weedy soil and just miraculously and instantly making them good soil. I just hope that when God does that in someone's life, I just hope that somebody planted a seed before it happened. Thanks so much for checking us out online today. Um, Hopefully this message impacted you, encouraged you. I hope that you would consider if you're local come check us out in person one day we'd love to have you part of the uh, part of our community um, if not we'll see you next week um, same place same time thank you thank you for joining us at compass we hope you enjoyed this podcast if you have any questions about compass or this message contact us at our website www.compassbn.com